that the fact is, is if you're in severe financial distress, I think we have to let the credit score go a little bit and make sure that we can feed ourselves. I have met just one too many people who has put food aside to make the MasterCard payment. And then they end up on the vicious cycle where they make the MasterCard payment and then they run to the grocery store and use the MasterCard. Can't do it that way. Hello and welcome to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. I'm your host, Emma Gibbs-Ung. Each show I'll be using a combination of interviews with incredibly inspiring people from around the world who have achieved greatness, overcome adversity and never given up, as well as solo episodes from me sharing my own journey as a leading mindset trauma coach, helping to inspire, support and guide you to create a growth mindset so you can achieve success in all areas of your life. So are you ready to bring mindset to life and feel inspired? Let's go. Welcome back to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. This week, I am joined by Dawn Kennedy, who is an attorney, financial coach, author, and serial entrepreneur. She is a wife, mother of five, grandma of three, a hero to her dogs, and a U.S. Navy veteran. Her focus on financial coaching began when she faced a few tough financial lessons. On November the 1st, 2013, her husband, Mike, had a near-fatal fall 18 feet off a ladder. And by the grace of God, he survived, but unfortunately, their business didn't. Mike went on to have rehab, and they were forced to confront a stack of bills that they could no longer pay. It took 39 months, but they paid the business and personal debt off in the, of a total of $76,000. Restarting her entrepreneurial journey after losing almost everything has been tough for Dawn and has caused her to question her abilities, doubt herself and others, and live in fear of history repeating itself again. But over the last eight years, she's worked on rebuilding her trust, and just last week found the courage to hire her first employee. Learning to take it day by day has been a real game changer for her on so many levels and helped her to navigate through anything. Today, Dawn is sharing with us how she's managed to go from $76,000 in debt to running a thriving, profitable business today. Woo! So welcome, Dawn. It's lovely to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity to come share with you and your audience. Thank you. Oh, I'm, you know, I think there's so many questions that I have bubbling around um, that I want to ask you. And I think, you know, the, the reality is um, money has a massive, massive impact on self-doubt. It has a massive impact on confidence and on, on our self-worth. I know it's certainly something that I've struggled with over the time. Um, and is often responsible for many relationship battles or relationships even crumbling um, and also people going out of business. So I really can't wait to find out a little bit more about how you managed to go from $76,000 in debt to, to running a thriving business, but more importantly, to rebuild that relationship and that trust back in yourself and in money. It's interesting. I'm, I'm going to set the scene, first of all, and tell you that money does touch everything. It touches every single facet of your life. And I was not raised with abundance mindset. I was not raised with a lot of the teachings that we have now in online coaching space about money always being there to support you and those kinds of things. So everything that I did, especially starting eight years ago, um, had to do with the numbers, right? How the numbers kind of worked out. And it was very interesting. And I had to learn at some point to let go a little bit and to start having some trust that we were doing enough. 
And I think that that's one thing that we have to take away from the money discussion is that when you put a plan in place, you have to also have some trust that you're doing enough and it's going to work and that you are just going to stay the course and that, you know, the numbers will align and the abundance will align and the things will line up. And it's been a tough lesson over time because you do have to trust that uh, as you're going through things, you know, the debt will go down, the uh, things will get easier, you will start to have raises at work, you know, those kinds of things so that the numbers come together and you start to hit your goals. But the biggest thing about finding yourself $76,000 in debt, it wasn't even just that. We just, we looked up, we did lose everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, though, you know, basically had four skull fractures. And the number one thing was they told us he wasn't going to make it through the night. So mm-hmm. that was like number one. Number one was, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to be a widow. I'm going to be a widow, five kids. I don't know what's going on. Turned out that didn't happen, which was a great blessing. And we're so grateful that he made it through the accident and that, you know, we had the next chapter of our story. The money side of it that came up after this, it was very interesting. The number one thing that I remember at the time was that the people who were so nice to us when we had money, because our consulting business was doing a quarter million dollars a year, all of a sudden were not very nice to us anymore when we couldn't pay the bills. We had a couple of companies that wanted to sue us because we couldn't make our minimum payments anymore. And they didn't understand that we had gone from making a quarter million dollars a year down to making nothing. And then I got a job back doing what I had been doing before. I was making about $45,000 a year. And then I started working a couple extra little jobs on the side, doing little side hustles to try to bring in a little bit of extra. And we still had children in high school at the time. Uh, We still had, you know, a lot of obligations and things we had to take care of. So the debt that was in front of us, it was interesting. A lot of it was business debt that we were carrying because we were told we should be carrying it. We wanted to build our business credit. We were told that we should be saving for points. We could have paid cash for a lot of things. And it's very interesting. We were told to use the card every month. And we did. We carried balances on things and we paid them off each and every month. The month we couldn't make those payments anymore, though, people didn't really like us anymore. So there was a huge swing, not only in the self-doubt of not being able to pay your bills and not knowing where the next payment's coming from, but the way people treat you when you go from having money to having no money is incredibly difficult. People were not nice to us. People were not being nice when they were calling us. Nobody from the finance company was asking us, hey, how's your husband doing? Is he doing better today? Is he walking? Is he out of the wheelchair yet? No, they were just like, you know, well, that's not our problem. Where's my money? Uh, Money has a very interesting uh, dynamic to it. The relationships that you get into with financial companies and things like that are they're They're not friendships. They're not you know, relationships where people really care much about you. It is literally a transactional thing. And I think that that was something that also leads to self-doubt sometimes is you want people to understand you. They, you want people to have some kind of insight into your personal situation so that they will maybe have a little bit of compassion or empathy if something happens to you. And that is just not the case with money. So just kind of setting the stage there about that. There's a lot of emotional things and entanglements around money uh, that make the money discussion and the self-doubt with money a very real thing because it does touch everything. It really does. It really does. And I think, you know, it's scary how people can change when it comes to money. 
And like you say, you know, that you lost friends from that, that situation. And yet the reality is your husband was fighting for his life and is against all odds managed to survive. And yet it's almost like that human part disappeared and suddenly people were just simply focusing on the money. How did that make you feel? I mean, obviously, I know from a business point of view, you said you lost your business, everything changed overnight. Mm. But from an emotional point of view, where it's in those those moments where you really need support, and ultimately what happened was not your fault, and it wasn't through anything that you had done that had led on to you not being able to pay the, um, your monthly repayments. How were you feeling at that time? At first I was really angry. I was like, you guys have to, you know, give me some space to figure this out. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to take care of it. Don't worry about it. We will be taking care of it. It's, uh, it called into question our integrity. Mm. It called into question our integrity as to whether or not we were going to keep our word. And I think that that was really painful that people would, I don't know, they would kind of write us off, mm. uh, you know, and, I guess the second part was the um, we couldn't pay our taxes that year. And because we couldn't pay our taxes, because my husband was laying in a hospital bed, you know, they put a lien on our house for unpaid self-employment taxes. So the IRS even moved within within eight months. They put a lien on my property. And, you know, it was just one of those things where it's like, wow, you you didn't even give us a moment to try to figure out how we were going to figure this out. And it's funny in that 39 months, everybody got paid back. Yeah. Everybody got their money. We dug out of that 77,000. It was almost 77,000. But when we dug out of all of that money, everybody got paid, including the IRS. They got every dime we owed them because we knew we owed them the money. We even paid the penalties and interest. We paid all of it. We didn't try to go and negotiate down and get things knocked off. We paid it all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the hardest part about this was they did question our integrity and to whether or not, you know, we were good people, air quotes, because we didn't pay our bills. And I think that there is a stigma about people having a financial difficulty that it's some kind of personal failure rather than it could be a situational or circumstantial thing. And I think a lot of people do take that personally. I can tell you as a financial coach, as somebody who works with businesses, and I do work with a lot of businesses that may be struggling financially because it's not an intuitive thing. You have to learn how to manage business finances. It is not something that we learn in school. It is not something that, you know, you just pick up and understand. And a lot of times they don't teach you how to manage cash flow, how to manage inventory, how to manage 30 day net, you know, payables, things like that. It's just not something that you, you pick up and learn by osmosis. You have to learn. And, you know, I've run into people who have had to take payday loans, which are popular here in the United States sometimes, but payday loans to make payroll sometimes, things like that. And mm -hmm. people think of that as some kind of moral failure or some kind of personal failure, when in reality, one of their, you know, vendors, um, you know, accelerated a payment or maybe one of the people who owed them money didn't pay them. And we've been in business and even in our business, making a quarter million dollars a year, we had companies that were supposed to pay us within 30 days that didn't pay us for 60 or didn't pay us for 45. And, um, you know, we even had some large contracts with some, you know, large players, universities and the government that didn't pay us for, you know, 60 days. And those kinds of things affect your cash flow. 
was that our personal failing? I don't think it was, but it's very funny. That's the first thing we do is we take it in on ourselves and we wonder why I can't pay my bills. And we don't look at it in a, from a place of power, from a place of, I can figure this out from a place of, I've got, um, you know, the power to make this work for me. It really becomes a, a personal failing or a moral failing. And I think that that is a horrible way to turn money issues in on ourselves. But we do that. That is almost the first thing we do is we would take somebody who has a financial problem. The first thing we do is we look at them and go, wow, why can't you pay your bills? It's a very interesting dynamic that we do that with money. We don't do that with other things. If you break your leg, we don't wonder why you don't walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you, it's the thing, isn't it? You really do see some real size to people's characters when it is linked with money. And you've made such a great point there in the fact that, you know, like you said, you never question anything else, but with money, people are very quick to judge. Um, how, you know, what, I, what struck me with what you were then saying was there was never um, a thought, or maybe there was, but it certainly didn't feel like it. You were always going to pay this back. You were always going to figure that out. Yeah. That's quite a unique thing because, you know, obviously people who are in debt who might be listening now can often feel like they're drowning mm-hmm. um, in it. And, you know, and there can be that victim stuff, especially if it, you know, it was something that was out of their control and they hadn't directly done anything to put themselves in this position. Um, how did you, like, how can you flip that for someone that, perhaps is still not quite on the I know I can figure or may maybe even thinking they can but are not quite believing that they can yeah so the first thing you have to do is understand that money is something you get to be in control of whether it's one dollar or a negative fifty dollars whatever it is you get to be in control of that you're not a victim of money. There's circumstances that may have money coming into and out of your life in different amounts. But the reality is what you are receiving, what you have money for, whether it's your paycheck that comes in, whether it's a sale that you make, whether it's somebody who finally pays you back for something, that money is in your control. You get to be the decider of that money. You get to prioritize and rack and stack how that money comes in. What happens is people don't actually have a a process for using the money in their lives. Like I have a priority of the way things get paid. I know how the money comes in and what it's used for first, second, third, and fourth. And money that comes into my house, money that goes into my business is used in that order. So I'm in control of it all the time. And because I know that as it filters down through my process of one, two, three, four, five, and 11 or whatever, I know where that money's going to go. And I may not get to you every single month in the beginning when I'm trying to get through that, but I make control of my money. When you give up your money power and you say, well, you know, I don't know where my paycheck's going. Um, that, that to me is, you know, again, giving up your power. What do you mean? You don't know where your paycheck is going. It's coming into your hands. You get to be in charge of every dollar that comes in. And in fact, if you're not in charge of it, it runs off and spend itself. So you need to be in charge of every dollar that comes in you need to decide how you are going to take control of the situation. You can make a plan and still be flexible enough in that plan to allow for things to happen. But I had a plan to play off, to pay off everything. And I made that plan probably within the first 60 days. I mean, I sat down and literally with a piece of paper said, 
wow, where are we really looking at all the debt, looking at all the bills, looking at everything. And that was before I knew the lien was coming Mm. Um, because they deemed us uncollectible, but we owned property. So even though we were uncollectible and they weren't coming after us and they weren't trying to get our paycheck, um, they went after our property. So, you know, I didn't even know that was going to hit us. And basically, you know, I looked it around and I went, okay, where, where are we really? Um, I didn't put my head in the sand and it, it wasn't a power move. I think at the time it was a reality check. You know, you don't know how big the problem is. You can't try to solve it. And I think saying, you know, I'm drowning. We, well, I get that feeling. I do. I know what it's like to have more month at the end of the money. Mm-hmm. I do know what it's like to go from making 205, $250,000, $260,000 a year to 45 and making 20% of what you were making the year before. I do know what it's like for them to come and threaten to take your car. Um, I do know what it's like to wonder how you're going to feed your kid the next week. I do know what all those things are like. I do know what it's like when the hospital says, you know, we need a payment so your husband can continue physical therapy. I, I know all those things. So I'm not minimizing it in any way, but I'm telling you that you can set priorities. You know, we set priorities for a lot of other things. We set priorities for our children. We set priorities for things. Money doesn't make us a victim. Mm. No, our choices do and how we respond. Yeah. 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 I mean, I love what you say there. And and there's a couple of things that I really want to point, like pinpoint down is one is the awareness. Again, I, I think, you know, there's so much denial when it comes to money. And people are too scared to face it. And like you say, until you know how big the problem is, you don't know how to solve it. And I think that's not just about money, actually. I think there's so many aspects, whether you're in a toxic relationship or in a business or, you know, whatever. But, you know, health, until you face it, you don't know what you're dealing with. Um, but that can feel very, very scary. Um, and, you know, a lot of people push back on that and there's a lot of resistance around that um so i'd love to touch on how you navigated through that part and also you know um like you said about having the priorities as well um and making sure you had that clear plan um i guess because you've been in that industry you perhaps came at it from a more knowledgeable background but if there are any tips that you could share with people from a real basic point of view, one, sure. how to um, find the courage to, to face the reality and to what sort of techniques or priority plans they can put in place. And then also how you have, because even though everybody, you know, no matter how experienced you are, we all have moments of doubt and worry, how you then navigated through that part as well. Right. So the first part about, you know, when do you when do you get kind of to the point where you want to deal with the problem? So when all that stuff is coming in on you and and I was a so part of my background, I ended up going into consumer law. So I'm a consumer law attorney and I used to help people navigate things like getting sued by credit card companies or student loan companies and things like that. Um. People will not face it unless one of two things happen. They're so scared 
that if they don't face it, they think something really, really bad's going to happen. Or two, they get so angry and sick and tired that they just have to deal with it so they can get on with their lives. Mm. So I've seen both ends of the spectrum. For me, I was a mixture of both. I was very scared that we were never going to figure out what it was going to look like on the other side of his rehabilitation and learning to walk and doing those things. And then I didn't know what we were going to look like financially. And I was also really sick and tired of getting bullied by people calling us when we had always done really, it was a very interesting conversation. I actually had one of our creditors call and say, you know, you had a perfect credit rating until November. What happened? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, you really just asked me what happened when there's no notes in the computer that I've been talking to your company for like the last six months. And you guys don't have any notes in there that my husband had a near fatal accident and he's been in the shepherd center. And wow. It's like, I mean, it really cut me a little bit that they would be that heartless, Um, you know, that they would say, okay, I'll make a note on that. And then they wouldn't, they're just deceiving. They're lying about, you know, really giving any, any, um, any care, I guess about you. And I just remember that feeling of being just so angry and going, okay, I'm done with you people. I'm completely done with this. I don't even, I don't even want to, um, try to trust that you're going to work with me. So at this point, you know, I, I was like, you know, wiping my hands and saying, forget you. I'm not dealing with you anymore. I'm getting out from under you and I'll never go back. So getting sick and tired of being sick and tired was one of it. And then the other one was just being really afraid. So those were the kind of two. And I've seen that with a lot of people, a lot of clients over time as well. Uh, They get very angry or they get very scared. And between the mixture of those two emotions, they kind of set the stage that they're not going to look back, that they're only going to go forward. I think that even though self-doubt might creep in, I think the feeling at that point of being just so angry or so overwhelmed or so sick and tired of it is enough to propel people forward. I think they don't want to answer the phone one more time to a collector. I think they don't want any more to open another bill where they're going to have their electric cut off. I think they don't anymore want to have the, I mean, money is one of those things. Again, it touches everything. They don't want to get into one more fight at the dinner table over something. Um, the pervasiveness of money into every area of your life, I think makes the decision to change your money story to change your money issues a little bit more like one way. And when you've decided and you make that decision, I think it's just a little easier to stay with, um, because the, the consequences are kind of like every 30 days, you're going to remember And when you get the next bill in the mail or when you get the next thing that, you know, you're tired of it anymore. And it also feels good when you see balances go down. It feels good when things ease up. It feels good when there's more money in the account at the end of the month. And you can see very good progress actually really quickly. Also, when you make that decision and you stick with it for for a short period of time, probably about six months, I think most people see a big turnaround. Um, as far as tips and tricks and how to do this. So I, I follow uh, first and foremost, kind of like your, what I call your four walls, right? So uh, originally I was a Dave Ramsey 
um, is who I originally was trained as a financial coach. And I don't ascribe 100% to his methodology, um, but I did use a lot of his approach to get started. But I do ascribe 100% to the four walls approach, meaning that you always want to protect your family and the inside of your business before you protect the outside. The four walls of your family would be your utilities to make sure that you can eat and take a hot shower and that you can feed yourself, right? Um, so utilities and groceries and rent and, and mortgage and then uh, transportation back and forth to work. Those things had to be prioritized over everything else. And this ruffles people's feathers the wrong way a lot of times because they're like, well, what about my credit rating? And my, my sincere... Um, I guess statement to you is visa doesn't care if you get a hot shower. They just don't. So if you pay your visa bill and you don't pay your water bill, um, you're going to be the one who's going to suffer for the next 30 days or maybe get your water cut off. And the fact is, is prioritizing your health and welfare over your credit score has got to be the way that we look at these things when you're in financial distress. And the banks don't like me saying that. Nobody likes me saying that because they do so much advertising around the credit score that they scare people into trying to maintain that perfect credit. The fact is, is if you're in severe financial distress, I think we have to let the credit score go a little bit and make sure that we can feed ourselves. I have met just one too many people who has put food aside to make the MasterCard payment. And then they end up on the vicious cycle where they make the MasterCard payment and then they run to the grocery store and use the MasterCard. Can't do it that way, okay? So there are are ways to do that. So we put a little emergency fund together. we, We do that, but we always prioritize those four walls. In business, the way to start managing your business money is we do the four walls. The first wall is your access to your buyers. So that's going to be your rent, your utilities, your internet, your phone. How do your buyers find you so they can give you money? The second wall for business is going to be your critical operating expenses, right? So you have payment terminal payments. Do you have a specific software you have to use? What are the critical operating expenses in your business? Do you make deliveries? Do you have to put gas in your car? How do people do business with you? How can they give you money, right? So you have to, first of all, have a way for people to to find you, like your website. The second is they have to be able to pay you. So that's your critical operating expenses. The third one is going to be any inventory spend so that you have something to sell or if your services provider to make sure, you know, that you're doing your master classes and those kinds of things, if there's any money tied to those events. And then the fourth thing is payroll and payroll taxes, making sure you're paying yourself and paying your taxes. Those are the four walls of business. And then after those four walls of business, then I'm worried about if you have a business loan. Um, Again, people don't really like me talking about it in this order necessarily because they think, well, you're not taking care of my long-term credit. You're not taking care of my long-term things. Fact is, you can write a statement that says, you know, for these months, I broke my leg, I couldn't get to work. And so I ended up getting behind in these two months. And you can put a statement inside your credit report. You can put a statement that explains this two months lapse or why you were late. Whereas if you don't feed yourself for two months, you can't heal your broken leg. If you, you know, so the way to do this is to make sure that you're, um, protecting your ability to continue to generate revenue, to continue to make money, to continue to work or to run your business. A business that is paying all of its debts and not its rent, you can have the most beautiful inventory in the world. And if they lock your doors for non-payment, nobody can buy from you. Mm -hmm. 
that's the thing isn't it I think we go get, get a bit skew with with it all and like you say you know we don't tend to we focus on one thing and again this isn't about money we can focus on like how we need to do a certain thing um and therefore not see the other ways in which we can do it but I think you know it's it's an amazing point you say prioritizing your health and your well-being it's it's like that whole putting the oxygen mask on yourself first um Mm. and then your child because if you're not uh well then you're not going to be able to do the things you need to do to pay the money off um you're not going to be able to do the things to, to to do whatever to serve your clients um to be in a relationship to to be a mom wife you know all of that sort of stuff and so it's about looking at what you can do for yourself as in these priority four walls and then broadening it out once you start to build um and I suppose again a lot of people might not necessarily know that you can add that um statement into things so again you know research and and look to see what what you can and can't do um is amazing advice how did you but how did you struggle with staying so focused on that while losing friends, while having um, people ring you and being incredibly heartless and not making notes of your situation and almost mm. making you re-go over that whole situation every time you speak to someone. How did that impact your confidence? I think the first thing it did is after the second or third time, I started to realize they just didn't care. Mm. And I think that my thoughts about whether or not anything I had to say mattered, right? So you want to talk about affecting your self-confidence is anything I have to say to advocate for myself doesn't really matter to these people. Mm-hmm. That was, that was kind of a, a light bulb moment where it was like, they don't care. They're, they are not interested in anything going on. They're only interested in the money. And, you know, that, that was a very difficult realization that really money is that thing. It is that intangible, but tangible kind of part of your life that touches everything. And there are people that if you're in a transactional relationship with you with money, they don't care about anything but that money. And when you realize that, and if you can put yourself in a position where you can understand and recognize which relationships those are, you actually can become much better at advocating for yourself and at managing your money better. And I know that sounds probably pretty cold, but there are a lot of people who will do and say things to get your money. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, especially in business sometimes too, you have to be a little bit, you know, eyes opened about whether or not people are going to follow through on what you buy, um, you know, warranties, those kinds of things. Right. So um, it's made me a much more careful person going through this as far as who I give my money to, maybe not my time. I still volunteer a lot and do those kinds of things, but my money, I'm much more discerning about where I make my my money things where it goes. I'm much more mindful um, about what I do with money, but uh, neither here or there. The whole thing about sticking to that was the goal at the end. So I, I had laid out that plan and I knew what it looked like at the end. And I could see a date on the calendar or sooner 
mm-hmm. where I was not going to have any more debt, where I was going to be debt free, where we were no longer going to have credit card bills coming in the mail. We were no longer going to be having um, statements every month. We were no longer going to be having kind of like weird, you know, calls coming on the phone. And when all those phone calls stopped and when all those things, you know, went away and when we started just getting junk mail in the mail, it was a huge relief. We haven't had statements in, I mean, we finished paying everything off about 2016. So it's been about five years. We actually like not going to the mailbox and getting statements every month. We're okay with that. We're perfectly fine with that. It was a shock though, when you go from getting mail every month with a number of statements to no statements, um, and you're just used to not getting a lot of mail, Mm. those types of tangible things that show you, you know, and the other thing is, is you don't have a lot of payments going out every month. You have more money you're keeping in your, in your house and your business and your family. So, you know, that's the other thing is you actually have the cash staying with you. You know, you're, you're not paying it all out. We've, we've all done it, right? Like to think most of us have done it where you sit down you're like, Hey, I got paid. And then 30 minutes later, you're like, Oh, it's gone. Um, when you don't have a lot of payments every month, except for, you know, your four walls or whatever, really you sit down at the end of the month and you're like, woohoo, I have some left. So then you get again to mindfully decide where it goes. You can donate some, you can put some in savings, you can save for some purchase, you can do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're doing is you're deciding where it goes because you still have some left. How did you celebrate? Because for me, I think, you know, I love the fact that you've got a clear goal and end goal and you work backwards. And I think that that's really key for everything um, for creating successful, um, well, success, for creating success. But one thing that I think is particularly important, and it's something I work with a lot with my clients, is the importance of celebration as well. Because too often, whether it's money or whether it's just general progress or doing the things we cling to the stuff that isn't going well. And we very rarely give ourselves space and time to celebrate our success, which ultimately will help to build our confidence, our trust, our, you know, our belief, um, give us more focus, more motivation. We tend to almost sort of poo poo that and move on to the, Oh God, why did I say that? And I should have launched this and I should have done that. How did you celebrate the milestones and how did that impact you to keep going? So I think it depends on what the milestone was. So what we did in the beginning was we kind of racked and stacked, and I'll tell you how we got out of debt with what we call debt snowball. So we kind of racked and stacked all the debts based on the, the balances that we had in each one. And we just, we paid them off, but we made a commitment. We were going to pay X amount a month towards all the debt until it was gone. Mm -hmm. So we would pay off the first one and then we would roll that payment to the next one. So the payments would grow and grow and grow and snowball till we got to the last one. So let's say our first payment was $25 a month and we'd pay that one off. That $25 would roll to the next one. So then the next one would be that payment plus $25 and it just kept going. So as we paid off each card, we would do something. Maybe we'd go out to dinner. Maybe it just each one. As we were paying off chunks of debt, like every $10,000, we had a little, um, we had made like a little thermometer thing that we would color in. So we were coloring in as we went, kind of like you see the fundraising thermometers where they 
Yeah. So we were coloring in every $10,000 that we had paid off. So we had a visual and we kept stuff on the refrigerator as well. So we were actually celebrating every time payments were made. We were celebrating every time something was paid off. We were celebrating with a visual about our progress as we were going. Um, And sometimes having that progress in front of us helped us on those times when we were just like, oh, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm so done with this. Like I'm so done doing these things. Um, I also picked up extra side hustles and things to do here and there. And so, you know, I would get a little extra money for something that I did over here. And we would decide that that money wasn't going to go to the, the debt snowball, that that money was going to go to something else. Like maybe we we're going to take the kids on a trip um, to, you know, a day park or something. So we, we did it a bunch of different ways, but we never wavered from the underlying thing, which was, this is what we're committing to pay for this many, you know, months to pay off this chunk of debt, that this was the underlying, you know, goal. And whether we get there fast or slow, we can go faster. We can throw more money at it, but we're not going slower. And you know, that was kind of the decision point. So we celebrated all along and we, we made other decisions. Sometimes we, we went faster, but we never went slower. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, you know, I had monthly things on the calendar and I had visuals all over the place. It was, it was a huge deal to us to never receive those phone calls again. Like I said, I think we, we got to such the place where it was so bad for us that we just didn't want to be there anymore. And I think, you know, that, that is your why, isn't it? And I think with people, it's often connecting to your why that keeps you going. And it's the why below the why it's not just, you know, the generic why that everyone wants to, Oh, I want to retire Mm -hmm. by blah, blah, blah. No, what's the real reason why? Like you did not want any more phone calls where people were heartless and, you are having to explain yourself. And so that was your driving force. Um, and I love, you know, the visuals of that celebration and stuff, because that's so, so important. And again, people just don't tend to celebrate it because perhaps they don't allow themselves to do that because it's tarnished or wrapped around something negative. But I think the reality is we have to celebrate. Um, so obviously when you then paid off your debts, um, I imagine you felt very euphoric um, and and a huge sense of relief. I'd love to just dive into a bit about moving um, yourself from that that situation into then starting your new business and allowing your trust and your confidence to start to grow because some people can then sabotage themselves and Mm -hmm. bring themselves back. Uh, without even realizing sabotage is often such a you know subconscious thing that we're we're not always aware of but how did you manage to uh, minimize that sabotage and then build the confidence because I know like it was a massive milestone for you last week hiring someone to be part of your team I know just before we went live you said that your business in in 10 months is going to be hitting six figures and how you can collapse time when you know what you're doing and I think all of these things are really really important for people who are perhaps in the thick of it all right now to inspire to be like and to know so I'd love for you just to share a bit more about that side okay so I want to I want to be very clear that I've had a business since the accident so I've run um, the consulting business 
uh, for a bit. And I did sabotage through that consulting business quite a bit because of this idea that I wasn't going to be good with the money or that we were going to get to a certain point. I was going to lose it all again. So I could never get past a certain milestone as far as, as financials go, because either I didn't deserve it or it wasn't going to stick around. And I had to do a lot of money mindset work about that. Um, again, I wasn't raised with an abundance mindset. I didn't really understand um, a lot of the universal laws, those kinds of things. And so I've had to learn those over about the last two and a half years or so, um, or about two years, I guess. And so I'm learning those things as well. And it's funny, looking back, I can see that it's those principles have always been there. I just wasn't aware of them. Now, the coffee business is the one that we're talking about that I've done in 10 months. And this started in January. We have a coffee roasting business. And that coffee roasting business is getting ready to cross six figures. Um, but hopefully by the end of October here in about five days from when we're recording. And that has been a whirlwind. We went from making $122 in uh, January, when we first started with 11, 11 bags sold all the way now to doing over 500 bags a month. And we're going to cross the six figure mark last month. Um, we crossed uh, 75,000 a year this year, or this month we should cross about a hundred thousand a year. And this has required not just a lot of uh, mindset work around being able to build and to scale and to keep it and never go backwards. It has also required a lot of self-trust and moving the doubt around a couple of things. One is that we're in manufacturing and I've never run a manufacturing company before. And I'm reminded by that quite frequently by my dad when I freak out and I tell him, oh my gosh, I have all this money going out in beans, you know, and I'm doing this and that kind of thing. The second is that we trust that as the orders are coming in, that the money that's coming in is being used properly, that we're not sabotaging the business, that we're very, very careful, again, racking and stacking and having those priorities of how things are getting paid. Taking on an employee, yes, that was another huge um, big trust thing because, you know, we just signed up to have unemployment insurance withheld and to have, you know, all the things that we have to do for, um, you know, for having an employee rather than just having a contractor. Right. So my other business, I've had a social media manager. I've had a person here, you know, I hired for six hours there, a VA here. This is actually somebody who comes in every week. will be working for us. We'll be doing um, roasting assistant stuff and we will be paying every week. And that person's family is now relying on us to help with their own bills. I take that very, very seriously that somebody is going to be working for us and we will be supporting their family. So that was a big self-doubt thing that we will continue to have all of the volume every week to be able to support somebody else's family as well. Mm -hmm. Um the money piece of it is huge. It is huge that you can trust the money is coming in and you're going to make the right decisions with it so that you can continue to move the operations forward. It also, again, goes back to the numbers. You know, are my margins correct, right? Am I able to 
um, make the profits that I need to make to for you know to do the growth, to do the employee, to do um, the next level things that I have to do to to run that business. So that's the coffee business. And I still do some consulting. I have kept a few private clients um, that I love working with that I've been working with for about two years. But um, that side was less, I think, about um, some of the mindset stuff and more of the sabotage stuff, because that side was all um, services. And so there was not as much like overhead type things and things to think about. So for me, it was just like the money came in and then, you know, I could do with it kind of what I needed to or what I wanted to. And for me, it seemed like I would get to a certain point and then I would stop making sales. So I made just enough and then I wouldn't go past that point, make just enough, wouldn't go past that point because I didn't want to be maybe too successful. or I didn't want to make too much money. I didn't want to put myself in the position where I could lose it all again. See, that's, that is a whopper. Um, and I see a pattern that, that a lot of people have in business. Um, you know, but we all have a certain level that we, yes. in some, some uh, time in our life, we agreed that we would allow ourselves a certain level of success, a certain level of love, a certain level of happiness. And then the moment that you get to that level, then that's often where people sabotage. And this can obviously, like you say, you know, your circumstances change. And so your sabotage was coming from what happened previously. But how did you re-educate yourself and recondition your thought process to allow you to move beyond these patterns of getting to that level, then sabotaging it um, and moving beyond that? And what kind of self-sabotage patterns came through did you procrastinate did you like make excuses did like it'd be good just to kind of get an insight because sabotage is something that people hear but don't necessarily always understand so a couple of different things so the first thing i would do is i would stop making sales so i would stop showing up online so it wasn't even a procrastination thing it would be like well people don't really need to hear this anyway or um you know so many other people are doing what i'm doing anyway and it was interesting. I had a coach the entire time. So I would be paying somebody else and I still wouldn't do the work. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that that was necessarily uh, procrastination. It was just, I wasn't showing up. I wasn't doing it. The other piece of that was I would allow myself to have so many people working with me and then I would stop. And um, I think some of that was fear that I wasn't going to get them the results maybe, and it was very interesting because I was tying um, the results very clearly to the numbers, the way uh, that I did as an attorney. So uh, the translation of what we were doing. So I would take, let's say I had a client who had made 96,000 last year and we would make 400,000 this year. And I would think that's not enough. That's not good enough. So even though I quadrupled their business, I should be doing eight times their business. Um so there was a lot of that feeling of I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't doing enough for this other person. I wasn't necessarily being a good enough coach. I wasn't being a good enough consultant. I wasn't solving all the problems the right way. And it was very interesting for the longest time that I didn't give myself a lot of credit for things. Like I launched a podcast and I wrote a book and I never celebrated either of those two things thinking, well, you know, I don't know that people really need to see this. I don't know that people really need to hear this. Um, 
and some of that self-sabotage that came from there, I think really had to do with this worthiness that maybe I didn't deserve um, to have a chance to do this again. And part of that originally came from, you know, when my husband didn't die that day, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, thank God my husband was spared and maybe I don't deserve anything more than that. Cause I got to keep him. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that is a big one. That is a big one. Um, and actually when I was thinking about um, our call, I did want to talk to you about that. So I'm glad that you brought that up. So how did you, how did you navigate from that? Because again, you know, people have, have uh, gratitude and, and it's almost like, you know, maybe I have to forfeit my business success for the fact that my husband made it and we've still got a life together. When the reality is we don't have to choose one or the other. We are perfectly entitled to having whatever we allow ourselves to have. And that word is very key, is what we allow ourselves to have because we are limitless uh, humans and we have the opportunity to have anything we want. How did you reframe your mind to stop thinking along those lines and to allow you to break up, up level to that next level without sabotaging. That's kind of an ongoing thing sometimes. Cause when I get to the next level, I think again, you know, do I still, you know, get to do this? Um, I read several books. One is called the upper limit or well, it's called, um, it's about the upper limit problem. It's called the big leap. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that, book. that was a great book for me. Um, I've read several other books on that. And, you know, I have had to learn about these things because it was just not something that I was ever taught or exposed to. Um, and, you know, I'm a little bit older. I have five grown children. So it's been something that I feel like I've had to keep revisiting over and over and over again to kind of understand the concept that this is something that we have the potential to do and that we are limitless. Um, I was raised where it was an either or, right? So you can have this or this. And we were never raised to believe that you could always have both. Um, so there's a lot of mindset work that goes into this type of thing. And there was a lot of guilt around, you know, being able to still have continued success and the guilt around having the continued success also was, um, this idea that I could have success, but only have so much, right? So I could only have so much success. It's interesting with the coffee company. I don't struggle as much because my husband's part of that company as well. He actually does a lot of the roasting. So for me, I feel like my job as CEO is to guide and grow this company so that he has kind of the comeback story. So the, the approach is a little bit different, and it's interesting because I do continue to keep my clients. I do continue to grow their businesses, but I see myself in a very different role. I see myself in helping them grow their businesses so that they have their success stories for their families and, and for their goals and things. I see my own coffee roasting and my own coffee business with my husband for his comeback story and for our kind of... Um, I guess, retirement plans since we lost everything eight years ago. And it'll be eight years in a couple of days, actually. So it's very interesting. We're going to cross that six figures about eight years exactly to the day. So timing is perfect. Oh, but for sure. It's interesting what you just said there, Dawn. And I know you were just about to say something there, that you do things with your clients to help them have their success story. Yeah. And, you, and you run your coffee business slightly differently to help your husband have his success comeback story. Yeah. But never once have you said about you having your success story. 
Well, and that's, you know, that's the thing. So I, I look at my own business and I succeed to a certain level and then, yeah, so I still struggle with that. I still have those mindset issues where I can help them have their success, which allows me to have my success inside my business. Um, so, you know, I always tie success. It's very interesting. I tie my success inside my own business to how much my clients are thriving. So I still have a lot of mindset work to do around that. And I admit that. And, um, a lot of that has to do again with, is it going to be taken away? Right. So, um, you know, that doesn't just go away. Um, and you know, we've actually only been, out of debt, I guess we're about, we're going on about five years, four and a half, five years. Mm -hmm. And we've only actually been, you know, back into doing things for about four years now where things have gotten um, to where they're kind of at a comfortable level where things are better, but we don't have retirement anymore. We don't have those things anymore. So everything that I do, sometimes I see as being very measured, um, for a lot of the things that we were talking about today, because we're trying to kind of rebuild those things. So I don't know that again, because money does touch each and everything all the way around. I don't know that sometimes you can get past even after you've recovered from financial trauma. A hundred percent of the things that kind of sparked it all along, um, you know, get past it a hundred percent of the time without having to continually do that work. But you know what, this is the thing is this is why I wanted to like run this podcast, because for me, I think, you know, um, self-doubt covers so many different things. It it filters in so many different areas of our lives. And just over the last couple of months where I've been doing these interviews, I think I've explored pretty much every other topic under the sun. The reality is it's never I never um, uh, like say to my clients or with people, I can help them overcome it. I can help people manage self-doubt. I can help people to be 95% okay. And I very much live my life on the fact that I'm 95% okay for overcoming my um, abuse trauma, my sexual and physical abuse, um, and also with the issues that we have with fertility. You know, if I'm 95% okay, I'm doing a bloody good job. And I think the thing is, you know, we need, one, we need that flexibility of that five-way leeway, 5% leeway, because we're human and it takes the pressure off. But also the reality is new levels, new devils with you, your business, new levels, new devils. So you're always going to have an element of some kind of fear um, or moments of questioning your abilities. And that's human. But the difference is, is knowing how to respond to that. And which takes me back to what you then said um, earlier, is that time collapses when you know how, like in the fact that You've been debt-free for five years, which is phenomenal. It took you three, just under three years to um, pay off all that money, which again is phenomenal. Um, and now you're just, you know what you need to do. So even though you still experience it, and like I can see you sat there and you're like, I'm not fully over it yet. No one's fully over anything, but you now know how to handle it. So time collapses and you can get from A to, A, A to Z so much quicker than previously so it's just learning to recognize sabotage patterns learning to manage that um, niggle of i'm not worthy or not deserving but using your experience to then manage it and that's really the key messages for any of the anyone listening and for you know us two talking 
it's so much about managing life and managing the the twists and turns that come with it but in a way that doesn't send us like floating really high or really low it's like that nice steadiness of managing rather than you know downward spirals it's true and i could tell you on the money side of things every 30 days you get reminders about how you're doing with money and i can tell you that other places where you can have self-doubt in your life maybe you don't get those reminders every so often to kind of put yourself on track right so so if you're having money doubt issues and you want to know where your progress is, or if you want to know how far you've come or how far you have to go uh, every 30 days or so, you're going to get something in the mail, or you're going to get an email, or you're going to get a, a reminder, and you're going to be able to check yourself. So you can actually address kind of that self-doubt and sit with that. And, um, you know, you, you, you have to kind of address it um, on a regular basis, which I think can have its good and bad, but I think we can look at it more good that you're not just going to look at it once and not do it again. Mm -hmm. um, it's taken a lot for us to make the personal finance stuff, um, you know, in the beginning, it took a lot for us to do this every month. It took a lot for us to do this. And once we got the ball rolling, it was really good. Now the business stuff, you know, that's actually more, maybe sometimes every week because we have to order more product and we have to do those things. But the fact is, is now we're used to sitting down and wondering, you know, like asking ourselves, how are we feeling? How are we doing? Are we making the progress we want to make? Are we hitting the goals we want to go? I don't know that in other areas of self-doubt, if you have those external regular reminders to sit down and look at it. Mm -hmm. So with money, even though sometimes it might be a horrible timing that you get it in the mail and you're like, oh, I didn't want to look at this today. I think that you do have that kind of regular routine thing. I think that can help you stay on track maybe more than some other areas of self-doubt or some other areas that people struggle with because you are kind of forced to see your progress. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I've never really um, thought of it like that. But yeah, it's true, especially you now when it comes to monthly payments and stuff like that, you are always in that, that state. And I think sometimes that those monthly reminders have the capacity to keep us on track or to make us shit scared. Um, and then it's down to like looking at different things that you can do to, to, um, build that momentum and that trust and like you said you know the celebrations the clear goals um having priorities and having a plan are all really really important things i think one thing that came through for me that i've just written down um that i think is so so important um that we can all benefit from on a confidence point of view is association and i think you know hearing you speaking about your client's success or your husband's success story is actually allowing yourself to associate all of that with you and and that association rather than disassociating it and putting it out onto other people will actually allow you to naturally up level to that that next level quite seamlessly because you're already doing it but you're seeing it through other people's lives or your husband rather than yourself and i think sometimes we're guilty of not associating success to ourselves because we think oh you know I don't want to be um cocky or this that and the other or you know when we don't feel like that we deserve it we we don't marry those two things together but actually that that recognition of well if their lives are improving it's because of something we've done together 
and allowing you to just absorb and, and drink in that success as well really does help. Yeah, I really like that. That's very, very true. I think that when you have your fingerprints on things, sometimes it is very easy to dismiss that as not being either relevant or not being um, important. But the fact is, it is. And, you know, everything that you do that gives you that um, reminder that you are being successful, that you are moving forward, that you are overcoming that self-sabotage or giving yourself um, that little bit of, I guess, a um, picture of the next level that you're moving towards. I think that's incredibly important to keep moving and keep going. And not just, you know, the money, the money is that tangible thing that lets you know that, yes, you know what, we are improving, we are doing things differently. My business is thriving, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there are other ways to do that as well. And that is, you know, my clients are, um, buying from me again, or they're renewing for another six months, or they are coming back and ordering more things. And, you know, we are able to look at other tangible things forward, even if it doesn't necessarily feel like it. And that's the thing. It's like looking for tangible evidence. Again, I love that. It's like, you know, when we're struggling and we can't necessarily see the wood through the trees, or we're having those self-sabotage um, stories that are coming through, is to find the evidence of proof to, to dispel that and to reinforce your trust and your confidence. And that, that's why celebration is so, so powerful. Because the more that you can say, you know, my clients are repeating orders, you know, um, we've, we've grown month on month. All of that is evidence to show you that you can do it and that you're not gonna lose it. And then your confidence grows as well, for sure. Dawn, it's been amazing chatting to you. And there's so many incredible insights that have come through just from like the whole financial side of things, but allowing um, us to be a part of insights into how you navigated through the debt um, and have come through the other side. I really appreciate your honesty and your rawness with that. And I know, you know, money isn't always an easy thing to talk about. So I very much appreciate that. I'd love for you to just, before we close, to just share... Um, I don't know, some parting words with people who perhaps might be in the same position as you were in, um, where intuitively you think that they might need to hear this because it was something that worked for you or it was something that you needed to hear that maybe you didn't and you can pass that through to someone else. This is going to sound a little cliche, but it's only money. Don't take it personally. It is not a personal failing. It's not on you personally. Even if you made a bad decision that may have started this whole thing, it doesn't matter. It's only money. It is not about you, your personality, your self-worth, your value. It has nothing to do with you. It is just circumstantial. You can get past this. You can get through it. You'll come out the other side and it's going to change. It'll change with a check. It'll change with a sale. It'll change with just something happening that you may not even see coming. It's going to change. It never stays the same day to day. And it's just money. Mm, I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. It's been brilliant. And if anyone has been listening who has any questions about financial situations that perhaps they're in, where can they find you? So my current uh, website is entremoneycoach.com, E-N-T-R-E moneycoach.com or they can find me on social media at uh don kennedy xo on instagram and don kennedy don k kennedy sorry my initials in there don k kennedy there's a few don kennedy kennedy's just kind of a, 
kind of a common name. So it's Dawn K. Kennedy. You can find me all over social media. Dawn, Dawn K. Kennedy XO. Yes. Awesome. Well, they'll all be added into the show notes, but um, it's yes. been lovely um, having you here. And as I said, if there's anyone that's going through anything that uh, we've spoken about today and you want to reach out, then please do, because this is what it's all about. It's about building awareness and letting you know that you're not alone and that there is support out there. So between now and then, thank you very much for listening and I will see you all next week. And thank you once again, Dawn. It's been amazing. Thank you. It was wonderful to be here. Oh, it was awesome. Thanks everybody. Take care. Bye. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review. Bye for now.